Good morning again, Oakwood. It is good to be with you this morning and again to celebrate with our seniors today. And sometimes it's difficult when you go, hey, I got to come up with a message for our senior class, but I also have to come up with a message for the church as well. But before we get into that, I just want to say uh, what a great week we had with our middle school students um, at camp last week. Um, we were able, through uh, God's goodness and uh, provision, to be able to take a group of middle schoolers to camp. And I got to tell you, in 15 plus years of doing youth ministry, it's probably the best week of camp that I've ever experienced. Uh, there was like no drama at all. And again, let me say that middle school students and no drama. Uh, usually those are words that don't intertwine very well together. But it really, it was just our church group, so it was an opportunity for our uh, adult leaders to really pour into the lives of our students, and I'm most uh, happily uh, excited to tell you that during that week, we had five uh, decisions that were made for Christ during that week. Give him a, amen. Yeah. So it's always, it's always good to come back from camp and be able to uh, hand a parent, uh, our, we have a book that we, a resource called The Plunge, and it's always good to give that to a parent and the student and encourage them to pray over that and go through that together. And we look forward to seeing the fruit of those decisions here in the next um, several weeks. So uh, amen for that. And I do want to also add that this coming Wednesday, uh, we do have a, a student, uh, Chastity, is going to be getting baptized on Wednesday night at youth group. So you'll want to be here for that if you're a student to see that. So amen. Okay. We'll... Uh, as we, as we begin this morning, I, try, I was trying to think of a word that I wanted to use to, uh, a message to give to our seniors as well as to the church, and the word that kept coming in, into my mind over and over again, based upon everything that's happened the last few months, is the word overcomer. And so uh, will you join me right now as we just ask God's blessing on his, his message this morning, and, uh, and we'll get started. Father God, it is a op- wonderful opportunity to be out here today to preach your word, and I just pray right now that you would speak through me, that you would uh, give us uh, open hearts and minds to, to receive your message uh, as we not only just celebrate our students of the class of 2020, but as a church, we also look to see what your word has to say about being an overcomer and especially in the world that we're living in right now. So Father, uh, we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So I was, came upon a story that was uh, about a French biologist named uh, Louis Pasteur and now, I took French in high school, and so I'm sure I probably just butchered that name. So if for some odd reason or miracle my French teacher is watching online somewhere, um, I apologize. I got a D- minus in French, and the only reason that I was in French class was because the girl that I sat next to I had a crush on. So, um, But uh, early French biologist named Louis Pasteur, and he was known for some pretty controversial uh, experiments. That he did. And in fact, among some of his colleagues and other scientists, he was kind of looked upon as an outcast. And he had this idea of this germ theory where he could take uh, an infectious disease and put it in uh, an animal and then take the, the blood of that animal and use it as like a vaccine or an antibody for a cure. And in this particular time in France, around the late 1800s, there was this a disease going around called diphtheria, which was uh, a disease that was often uh, found in young children were really susceptible to this. And it was also proved very fatal. There wasn't a cure for it. There wasn't a vaccination. And so he was set on uh, coming up with this vaccination. There was another colleague that he knew, his name was Dr. Rue, and together they kind of set up their own laboratory outside of uh, of Paris, kind of, you know, as outcast of the scientific and community and physicians at the time, and they took 20 horses with them, 
and they took this disease, they took this diphtheria disease that they, they had, they cultivated, and they swabbed all the nostrils of the horses and infected all 20 of the horses. Now, there were a few of their uh, colleagues that came out to see this experiment, pretty much just hoping they would fail, so it would already prove what they thought about their abilities as scientists and doctors. And sure enough, uh, just after a day or two of being infected, all of the horses died, except for one. Well, they just knew that it was a matter of time before that final horse was going to pass away. So they all took off and left. And uh, one particular evening as they were sleeping, they had someone out in the, the barn watching this horse. And they told the, the orderly watching the horse, if there's any change in the horse's uh, condition, come and wake us up. And that evening, there was a, a slight drop in the fever the temperature of the horse by about half a degree. So they orderly ran in and woke up uh, Dr. Louis and Dr. Rue and said, hey, get out here. The horse's temperature went down half a, half a degree. By the middle of the next morning, the horse's temperature had dropped two full degrees. And by the next evening, the horse had made a full recovery and was standing up on its own, eating and drinking and doing what horses do. The end of the story goes that they ended up putting that horse down. And they took the blood from that horse and they went to a hospital in Paris where there was hundreds of babies that were infected with this disease and they inoculated all the babies with this antibody from the overcomer the one horse who overcame and the hundreds of babies of lives were saved why am I sharing that story because in John 16 we read these words Jesus says I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, the one who overcame, that we are given life when we're really left for death because of our sin. And as that, being an overcomer, students of the class of 2020 in church, there are three uh, encouraging things that I want to share with you this morning as we go through life and choose to be an overcomer. The first thing that we want to remember is this. In Ephesians 6, 12, our battle is not against the things of this earth and this world. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil and the heavenly realms. You see, it's too easy in the last three to four months of dealing with this COVID-19 and health pandemic and murder hornets and rioters and protesters and our country being in chaos. It's so easy to focus on the earthly things that we have to overcome. But if that's what we're focused on, then we've missed the point because the battle is not here. The battle that is waging is for our hearts and for our minds, and it's a battle that's going on for, for centuries since, since the time that Jesus died on the cross and said that he was coming back for us again. But class of 2020 in church, here are three things that are characteristics of overcomers. First thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Overcomers are optimistic. What I want to really talk about here is attitude. I had a professor at Ozark Christian College, Drew Ashwell. Now, Drew Ashwell is like a living Barnabas to me. Barnabas, you know, means son of encouragement. And Drew always had a smile on his face. And I didn't always have a smile on my face as a student at Ozark Christian College because at 7 o'clock in the morning, the last thing I want to do is go to class. I lived in Boatman Hall, which is the furthest away on campus. 
you know, and I did not exactly have the physique of, you know, a long-distance sprinter. <laughs> so I had to leave extra early in order to get from Boatman all the way up to the class, you know, at 7 a.m., and you walk in, and there's Drew Ashwell, morning, brother, and I'm like, I just want to punch you in the face. <laughs> he goes, remember, attitude, re- your alt- attitude reflects your altitude. I can't just remember. I'm going to throw my pencil at you when I turn around. Okay. I want to talk about attitude because overcomers are optimistic. And it's really easy during these last three or four months to have a bad attitude. And in fact, I'm probably the most guilty of them all. For about seven or ten days uh, during this last three or four months, there was a period of time there where I was just not a fun person to be around. I had a bad attitude. You know, the Greek word for my attitude would have been stinketh. I wasn't, I wasn't fun to be around as a husband. Just ask my wife. You can talk to my two little girls. I wasn't uh, uh, the best daddy to, to them that I, that I could have been. And I wasn't even the best coworker to my colleagues here at the church. And it's just something about it, just all the negative forces and the things that were just kind of going on in our world. And every time I try to plan something for our students, whether it be through Zoom or trying to plan camp uh, or CIY, it just seemed like every two days the plans were changing. We had a, a word that we used in the office, and that was the word pivot. Pivot. Yeah. Some of you are going right there to that movie clip that's just in your mind right now, right, of pivoting. And every time we had plans, we had to pivot. And so it was so easy for our attitudes at times to get discouraged and to be, to be negative. But I want to encourage you. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. He says, Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Over in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8, I I love this scripture. It's one that I I memorized early on uh, as a middle school student going to church camp. It says this, finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, the battle that's waging on in the world is, is, is a battle for our minds. Think about this for a moment. Every sin that you've ever committed in your life started with a thought in your mind that gave birth in your heart, and then which led to you acting on that sin. There's a battle that's waging for our minds, and an overcomer must have an attitude that can take on the things that the world has to throw at them. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, this is what it really, I guess, comes down to. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. If we have an attitude like Jesus then there's nothing that we can't face in this world. Seniors, I know that when March came, that right around spring break time, you were excited. You had plans for spring break. You had plans for the last remaining two months of your high school uh, career. And just like that overnight, it seemed like the rug was pulled out from underneath you. 
And for weeks upon weeks, as you're sheltering at home and you're learning what the phrase social distancing means and you're unsure whether or not you're going to be able to have prom, you're unsure if you're going to be able to have a graduation ceremony, if you're going to get your diploma or is it going to be delivered by the FedEx guy, there's just a lot of questions that you had as, as seniors. And you have a choice to, your attitude can become a bad attitude or you can look at it and say, I'm going to remain optimistic through this time. I'm going to have an attitude of Christ Jesus. I'm not going to lose the battle over my mind. The second thing I would encourage you, class of 2020 in church, is this. Overcomers see obstacles as opportunities. We see obstacles as opportunities. You see, in James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that it's the testing of your faith. And it develops perseverance in your character. In the class of 2020, some of you don't remember this, but when you guys were born, you were born around 2001. All I have to say is 9-11, and everyone pretty much in here or watching online knows exactly what I mean when I say 9-11. And this class, most of them were born at that time period. They were born into adversity. They were born into a time of our country where there was fear and there was panic and there was worry and there was doubt. A lot of the same emotions that crept over all of us as this COVID-19 became such a huge pandemic and shut everything down. And you have to choose to see obstacles in your life as opportunities. Because if you think this is the last, the toughest thing that you're going to face, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're going to face even tougher obstacles in your life. Church, same thing. In a matter of just a couple of days, we were completely kind of shut down from meeting together, and we we're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to have church? And luckily, we had hired Rusty, and his trip was canceled that he was supposed to lead. And so we're like, here you go, Rusty. We need online church in three days. Let's see what you got, big boy. <laughs> Let's earn, 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 that, earn that first paycheck, you know? And, uh, and, and Rusty's just been such a blessing to our team and, and as, 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 a, as a team here at Oakwood, as, as pastors and, and support staff and administrators, we've had to come together to see how, does, how, do, we, how do we view this as, as, as another obstacle? How do we view this as an opportunity? Man, it was so discouraging. Like I said every time I had a plan for, for summer camp or CIY, it would, get, um, it would get canceled. I was having one conversation with Eric one afternoon and his daughter, his oldest daughter, Maddie, who's a senior and, and you know, she's kind of discouraged a little bit, and he said they're having a conversation and about not really, you know, knowing about graduation plans and, and prom and just missing out on the rest of the senior year, and she, she looked at her dad, and she goes, that's okay, dad, at least we still have CIY. Like the next day, I, I'm really serious, like the very next day, I get the call from CIY, uh, CIY's been canceled. No. <laughs> Right? And it would be really easy for someone like Maddie or any of the other students to just get so discouraged and be like, man, this, that's just one thing after another that just continues to beat me up, and I don't know uh, if it's worth it. Church, y'all went through the same thing. Some of you lost family members in the last three or four months, maybe due to the COVID-19 pandemic, maybe to other illnesses, and you had to figure out how we were going to have a funeral service for your loved ones with only eight or ten people gathering at six feet apart. Some of you lost your jobs. Some of you were furloughed. Your hours were cut. 
And all of a sudden, the things that you thought you had some control over in your life were taken away from you. And it's in that moment where you have to ask yourself, are these obstacles an opportunity for me? Or is this going to be something that's going to, to trip me up? You see, the earthly things, again, that, that, that come after us are just that. They're earthly things. They only last for a time. Yes, it may hurt. Yes, there may be some uncertainty and doubt. But listen to what Ephesians 5.16 says. Make the most of every opportunity that you have because the days are evil. And look at Romans 8, 35-39 when Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or the danger of sword? As it is written, for your sake that we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor future or any powers, nor height nor depth or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So as an overcomer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, don't look at the obstacles that come your way as something that's going to obstruct you. Look at it as an opportunity to get better. Look at it as an opportunity to grow. Look at it as an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. Right now, our world needs overcomers to be leading through the front lines of what's happening in our world. And we need to take the message of Jesus Christ because that's the only message that's going to bring healing is through the blood of the overcomer. While I was at camp, the best thing about being at camp for me, besides just being with the students, was not being able to turn on my TV and see the news or, or have social media. And I got home you know, on Saturday, and I look at it like, man, they're wanting to cancel Paw Patrol. And I'm like, here, now I'm in a counseling session with my four-year-old. <laughs> telling you, the world has lost its mind, right? Because they're focused too much on the earthly things and not the other most important things. So overcomers are optimistic, and we look as obstacles, we see them as opportunities. And finally, here it is, overcomers have a different outlook on the outcome. Drew Ashwell, back to Brother Drew, he always had another saying that he said is, your outlook determines your outcome. <laughs> and again, I just wanted to sometimes strangle him. I'm like, then change my grade. You know, I have an outlook that I have a different outcome than the grade that you've given me. Change it. There's also another professor, and I know we have a few students that are headed to Ozark Christian College in the fall, and, and I hope they get a chance to meet Brother Woody Wilkinson. He, I'm not sure if he's teaching a full load anymore, if he's just kind of filling in, but he'll, he's always on campus, and Brother Woody, he always used to say, he said, hey, Brother Woody, how you doing today? He said, save, sanctified, halfway on my way. Doesn't matter, whenever you saw him, how you doing, Brother Woody? Save, sanctified, halfway on my way. You know, his outcome on life, was his outlook was focused on the outcome See, people that aren't overcomers, that don't have the hope of Jesus Christ, the overcomer, they're too, they're too focused on earthly while overcomers are living for the eternally. We're focused on a different outcome, and that's heavenward. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He encourages, he says, I press on towards the goal to the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew that even in his ministry, in his life, that, that what he was doing wasn't uh, going to last 
forever on this earth, that he was focused eternally. And over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and following, he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has now come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Class of 2020, the reason why this is important for me to tell you this is because you guys are the future teachers. You're the future nurses and doctors and vocational leaders, and you're the future military leaders of our country. You you're, have a responsibility to continue to teach these things to those that you come into contact with. And, and, and I plead with you, class of 2020, as a father of two little girls. And church, the same, same, same plea I give to you is, as a father, I need you to be able to teach this to my children. I need your help. When I fail and when I struggle, I need you to be able to say, hey, it's okay. I need you to be able to teach my children and others what it means to have an attitude of Christ Jesus. I need you to show them how you overcome obstacles in your life because I know that the world that my little girls are growing up in is going to be a very difficult uh, world and a different world than what you and I grew up as when we were children. Our outlook is focused on our outcome, which is eternal. Going back to the scripture in John 16, that we started with this morning, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When I look in our world right now today, I don't see a lot of peace happening. And I see a lot of opinions being posted. In fact, I want to tell you about my own flesh and blood, my own brother Andy. I love my brother Andy to death. I would do anything for him. I would give my life for my brother's life. He lives out in, uh, around Brooklyn, New York. So him and his wife and their, their nine-month-old uh, baby, my, my, my nephew Oscar, I haven't, got a, I haven't got a chance to meet Oscar yet, and it breaks my heart, but they've been out there and they've seen some things over the last several months with this COVID-19 pandemic going on. They've had countless days where they heard nothing for 24-7, nothing but ambulances and sirens and lots of death around the area where they lived, and they were sheltering in place, and they're still kind of not sure. Things are starting to slowly reopen out there. But here's the thing. My brother and I, we have these discussions about, you know, Scripture. My, my worldview as an overcomer through Jesus Christ is based upon God's Word. And so when my brother's viewpoint isn't quite grounded uh, in that. So our starting points are a little different, you see. And so sometimes uh, the arguments and the debates, they kind of, you know, I'm just like, hey, I'm, I'm out. You know, that's not I don't want to debate you. I love you. But I pray for him someday because people that have an out, outcome focused just on this earth, that this is all there is to offer, that's not a life that's filled with hope. That's not a life that's filled with hope. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ, only through the overcomer. I want to share, as I close out this morning, I shared this story with some of the youth before because it's important to me, but there was a, my best friend growing up was named Josh Pelcher. And Josh, I won't give you the whole story, but I'll just say this, that Josh, between our eighth grade year and our ninth grade year of school, Josh uh, developed cancer. 
And it was a really tough, tough time for him and for us as his friends. And, and I'll just let you know that Josh lost his battle with cancer not long after he was diagnosed. It was a pretty aggressive form of cancer. So being a 12-year-old friend of his, not really understanding what that meant, you know, um, it was kind of a scary thing to walk through with him. But the reason I want to share his story with you is because when I look at the overcomer and I look at somebody uh, in life who is optimistic in all things, that has an attitude that a, of Christ Jesus, who looks at obstacles as opportunities and is focused not on earthly things but eternally things as his outcome on life, I can't help but think about Josh. If we were playing basketball out in the, you know, his driveway or whatever, and maybe as a middle school boy our language got a little bit salty, Josh was always there to say, Hey, don't let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth. He always had a scripture for us. He always had a word of encouragement. His attitude was so infectious. Every time he started these treatments for his cancer, and if you know a family member that has gone through cancer or currently going through that, you know that the, the chemotherapy and the treatments that they have to go through, you know the physical uh, wear and tear that it has on their body. And it's, it's very hard to watch sometimes. And he never once complained through all that. And I remember one of the last times that I saw Josh, my buddy Jason and I, we were at the Iowa City Hospital. And we were like, like, well, Josh really, you know, he can only have visitors for a few minutes and he's been really sick. And, you know, and we're like, we don't care. We don't care what some nurse has to tell us. We're going up there to see our friend. We're going to bring him whatever he wants. If he wants a pizza, we're going to get him a pizza. No nurse is going to stop us. You know, we're just a bunch of punk kids is all we were. If he wants his favorite food, McDonald's french fries or whatever, we're going to go get it for him. And so they, they let us in, and we go through the hospital doors, and we get in the elevator and head up to his floor. And we walk in, we see Josh, and he's lying there in his hospital bed. He's really weak. He can't, can't talk real, you know, very loud. And Josh, man, hey, it's so good to see you. You look great. Which inside, we were just heartbroken because... He looked like he was in a lot of pain. And Josh, what do you want? What do you want us to get for you, man? You want, you want some pizza? We'll go down and get it. What do you need? What do you want? And he pointed to the end of his hospital bed where his Bible was at. And he called his Bible his sword. And he just said, hey, I want my sword. Give me my sword. So we grabbed him his Bible. And while we were there to see him, he's the one that began reading scripture to us. Because his outlook on his outcome was eternally focused. Class of 2020, that's where your, your mind, your attitude, and your heart needs to be. No matter where you go from here, no matter what the next chapter is in your life, no matter what the plans that God has for you, you stay optimistic in all things, have an attitude of Christ Jesus. You remain in, in him and look at every obstacle that you encounter as an opportunity to bring him glory and watch him work through your life. And you remain steadfast and focused on the fact that our outcome is eternal in heaven and nothing here on earth that will satisfy. Some of you already got these. Where's my man Tristan at? He's in the audience somewhere. Where'd he go? He already got his diploma. I know Kremlin had theirs. OBA had their. Ceremony, Enid and Chisholm, those are coming up shortly. This is my diploma. Class of 2000. Man, I'm old. 
Is there a way to change that? Scribble it out. There it is, Ames High School, Ames, Iowa. My name written right there on my diploma. And seniors, as, as proud of, of you as I am that you're going to be receiving these, I'm more proud of the fact that your name is written in the book of life. And if it's not, then forget everything the accolades that you've earned up until this point because everything in, uh, that this earth has to offer does not compare if you don't have a relationship of knowing who Jesus Christ is. Church, that goes for, for all of you as well and for those watching. This morning, my prayer is, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior, as your overcomer, that if you came to church today with somebody, that you would ask them, hey, what is, what is he talking about? I want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus. You can find one of us pastors or a leader in our church, and we'd be happy to set up a time to talk with you and visit with you and pray with you about that. Because that's the most important thing of becoming an overcomer ourselves because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's pray. Father, uh, we are again so honored and proud of our students in the class of 2020. And as they've gone through so much change over the last three or four months, they have worked their tails off for the last 18 years to get to this point in their life. And we celebrate their accomplishments with them. But most importantly, I celebrate the fact that they know who your son Jesus Christ is and they have a relationship with him. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud to be a part of it. But I'm more proud of the fact that those who come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's what's really most important to me. And that's my prayer this morning. If anyone that's here or anyone that's watching doesn't know your son Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would make that decision today. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to shed his blood as the one true overcomer. It's in his name we pray. Amen.